0: Welcome to The Unstoppable Singer. I'm your host, Danielle Tucker, a professional vocalist, vocal coach, and a lead singer of the Mighty Untouchables Band. I'm also the producer and host of the Pandemic Proof Singer Summit and The Unstoppable Singer. The Unstoppable Singer follows the lives of real professional singers who've made incredible achievements in their lives and careers. We cover everything from voice work, making money, booking gigs, songwriting, recording, session work, and more. If you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button so you never miss another podcast. Now on with the show. I'm super excited to have her on. It is Carrie Larson. Uh, she's a session singer with a diverse list of credits in film, television, and albums. Carrie has sung on albums for artists such as Harry Styles, uh, Rosalia, Ariana Grande, Bette Midler, Barbara Streisand, Andre Day, Zed, Kelly Clarkson, Josh Groban, Neil Diamond, Idina Menzel, Pentatonix, Mary J. Blige. Uh, Andrea Bocelli and more. She has worked as an off camera background vocalist on all six seasons of Glee on Fox and has lent her voice to most of the vocal competition shows for episodes on and off camera, including American Idol, The X Factor, and The Voice. Additionally, she has worked on films such as Mulan, Buzz Lightyear, You People, The Prom, and more. Carrie has performed live with over 50 recording artists for local Grammy Week events and beyond. She's the co creator of the YouTube series, The Black and White Sessions, that features raw vocal performances from LA's finest session and touring vocalists. Carrie is passionate about connecting singers and championing their potential to be seen and heard by music lovers everywhere. So let's bring her on. Hello, Carrie. Hi! <laughs> I'm so happy to have you here.
1: Thank you. I'm excited. I'm, re- I'm ready to get into it.
0: <laughs> me too, me too. You're, well, obviously your, your bio is just incredible and super impressive, but I love as we get down to the end where we talk about your passion for other singers, and that's definitely something you and I have in common. So I think this will be a really fun conversation about um, some of the projects that you're doing in the music community. So... Let's get started. So, yeah. um I'd love to see just um uh, where you're at today, uh, what do you have going on in your singing life and how's the year treating you so far?
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I think for a lot of singers, um the the waves of being busy and the ways of not being busy have definitely been uh, more really up or really down post pandemic, right? Like there's just been this way for some singers, the pandemic brought more work uh, Mm -hmm. and for other singers, it really went dormant for a while. And Mm -hmm. so it's been nice in 2023 to be back in the room with other singers and not partitioned off from each other. (laughs) And you're actually you're shoulder to shoulder again and there's like this collective energy in the room um and so that looks like a couple of film sessions that um i actually don't think i'm allowed to say what they are at this point mm-hmm. um but a couple of things like that that have brought singers back together which are will, are probably coming out probably 2024 is my guess mm-hmm. uh, maybe 2023 at the end of the year um couple of TV shows. Oh, one, I can say uh, the Righteous Gemstones and HBO has been one of my favorites uh, for years just because they're a Southern family. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I had the opportunity to uh, record remotely from, from home for this next season. Um, so I'm excited for that to come out this year. Just you know it's a really inappropriate show for children, so not the children okay. but your uh, <laughs> but the southern and the the church stuff yeah it's it's uh it was fun to get to play a little off camera role in that for this season
0: have fun. Hey, um, yeah. you know what? Something caught my attention that you mentioned before about um, singers, uh, what we've experienced so far from the pandemic, just as far as like an influx of work after kind of coming back and then things just being a little um imbalanced. I'm glad you mentioned that because um, uh, I'll be announcing soon this year's uh, Unstoppable Singer Summit coming up. And in general, the theme of this summit is always um, talking about Uh, Singers uh, making a living, a sustainable career, building multiple streams of income. But this year in particular, we're going to weigh heavy on talking about creating balance and boundaries and the self care that it takes to create a sustainable career. I don't know if you're seeing this or not, but most of us experienced a complete halt in work. Then there was this complete, like, windfall of crazy, crazy, um, you know, opportunities that came our way. And I think uh, those two worlds crashing together has left a lot of us just completely overwhelmed and wondering, how how do I go back in time and do those things that I said I'd do during COVID as far as like having more balance and a better pace in life? Because I'm seeing a lot of singers just completely cancel their entire week schedule or their month schedule just because they're just totally fatigued mentally not ready for it physically not ready for it but you know are you seeing that in your circles
1: yes and uh it is real and you know i think i would i would tend to lean uh to say that my friends that live more in the touring world if you will mm-hmm. uh that do live singing um are experiencing it more just because the general public is so hungry for these in person uh events or stadium mm-hmm. tours or you know even uh just smaller club dates whatever it is uh there is like you said this influx of we want we need and the people mm-hmm. on the other side of it you know they they came out of this seclusion into run the marathon and not yeah. everybody was ready emotionally or vocally like the the instrument wasn't ready to go back to this extreme um, type of singing and work and just the, you know, that's 10% of it when you're a traveling singer, right? Like 90% mm-hmm. of it is the travel
0: <laughs> right? and
1: sustaining that. And so, you know, a lot of singers, I think they, they are experiencing more fatigue than they were used to, uh, not because of age from the past mm-hmm. three years, but just truly from the effects of, not being able to use their voice in the way that they were pre pandemic. And so it's causing insecurities in new ways. Um, and they're having mm-hmm. to work through that. Right. And yeah. and they're leaning on friends for support and obviously vocal coaches and using techniques to help work through it. But it still doesn't dismiss the fact that it's real and it's happening.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. And it's, it's such a, um, it's such a life skill to develop, you know, flexing that, no muscle and knowing when to and when not to, because I think most of us as, as singers, we really live in that, uh, FOMO state where we feel like if we say no yes. to any opportunity, we're never going to be hired again. We become irrelevant yeah. in ways. And, yeah. and I think we logically know that that's not true. But I think um, with we're, where we're at, just as, as people now and everything we've experienced, uh, we do need to be better about, have that self-awareness to create that space we need so that we can show up and give our all and, and you know, be able to maintain a, a month-long schedule of dates, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And it
1: is. And the other thing I would say about that is, um, you know, the the fear of the, the FOMO stuff and the fear of missing out, you know, so many singers were uh, really, truly unemployed for such a long time that even though they feel fatigued right now, the the fact that they were just home for so long, they're like, I'm stretched to the limit, but I'm not saying no. Because they certainly yeah. don't want to give up their position and whatever that particular job is currently. Yeah. And the hope mm-hmm. is they'll be able to come out on the other side of it, right? And that they'll be yeah. balanced and not damaged physically or emotionally um, as mm-hmm. they come out on the other side of it. That's the hope.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. What a what a place to be. Well, um, I'd love to step back in time and talk about where you got your start as a singer. What's your background? Uh, where Are you coming from a musical family? How did you get your start?
1: Yeah, well, I've got my my people are from East Tennessee, so I have my Dolly Parton mug today in honor of, awesome. of East Tennessee. So I'll, I'll take my I hear tea. the accent. I, <laughs> mm-hmm. And it. my mom was just in town from Tennessee, so it's, you know... The more we get in, the more we talk, the more country I'm probably gonna get. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, all, all my family's from East Tennessee. Um, there's musical people all throughout my family um, that, you know, a lot of these people, uh, distant family members, um, aunts, uncles, cousins, things of that nature, that have great voices or they play instruments. And most of them learned by ear. My dad played piano by ear. Um, but no one, as far as I know, was formally trained uh, in music. And so neither of my parents were super um, uh, academic, if you will, in the side of music. Right. And mm-hmm. so um, I was the one I came out singing, basically, mm-hmm. and they really didn't know what to do with me. I'm completely deaf in my right ear. I was born uh, wow. with a condition called microtia atresia. Um mm-hmm. and so it was very unusual that I was able to sing. Uh, that mm-hmm. really wasn't something that the doctors had really seen much from their patients who have microtia. Um, so that was, you know, interesting in the sense that I never knew any different. So I was never right. affected per se by the lack of hearing. Um, And and really, even in today's time, there really have only been a few instances where I can say, "Mm, yeah, that was kind of a bummer. It would have been great to have two ears there in that Mm -hmm. setting, you know. (laughs) Um, But with that said, I had very supportive parents of my musical endeavors. And um, once I got to high school, I went to a high school in Gallatin, Tennessee, which is about 30 plus miles north of Nashville. And Mm -hmm. so I was already near a very musical city, which was a benefit. Uh, But my high school was one of these high schools where every, for whatever reason, it's a melting pot of talent. Like the football players, the cheerleaders, the quirky kids, everybody could sing, play an instrument. It was like this weird thing. And I think that might still be the case there. It's just been this little melting pot for years and years. And our high school choral teacher, um, chorus teacher, his name was James Story. He's still one of my uh, biggest uh, champions and cheerleaders and really was just a true mentor to me uh, through all of my formative and developmental years. Uh, And I was just very fortunate to be in a program that pushed us and um, built us up with our self-confidence and taught us so much that it sort of propelled me into thinking, well, I can do this. I could do this professionally Mm -hmm. instead of just thinking, oh, this was fun to do, you know, in high school. Yeah. So we get to the end of high school and um, I was, you know, started meeting some songwriters in Nashville and finding my way around and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Did I want to be an artist? Did I want to be a background singer? Do I want to write songs? You know, it was just like this oasis of like, well, pick pick your pleasure Mm -hmm. (laughs) and what you want to do. Um, And so I feel like it took a couple of years there, like into my 20s to kind of get a sense of where am I going? What am I doing? Uh, And so I landed at a church actually down in uh, Brentwood, Tennessee. And at that time, there was a singer, uh, Tim Davis. He was going to that church and Mm -hmm. I had grown up in church, but not as a singer. Um, And so I had sung my very first song on a stage as a soloist at a church, uh, on this particular weekend. And Tim heard me and he was pretty connected within the Nashville scene at that time. And he approached me and he was like, who are you? Why don't I know who you are? And he was so kind and and so affirming. Um, and then I didn't hear from him again for six months and I just thought, well, that was nice. I'm glad he was so friendly. Uh, Uh but (laughs) in that time he, he had moved to California. So that because I'm fast forwarding all of this story for you. Mm -hmm. So at that point, um, I get a phone call uh, saying from a friend saying, hey, Tim Davis is trying to locate you. Um, He wants you to audition for this Christian music band. uh, And they're coming to Nashville to audition singers. And he wants you to audition. But you have to move to California. And so at that point, my job, I was working at a furniture store in downtown Nashville. (laughs) And, you know, it was the typical early, you know, I was like, what was I like 20 something and I'm working at a furniture store and I'm like, yes, I want to move to California (laughs) to go audition. (laughs) Yes, so I auditioned for this Christian band, and it was called Basics, and it was based out of um, Yorba Linda, California, Yorba Linda French Church, and and it was um, a music group that had already been together for several years, had made a couple of records through the Gather Music uh, label. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, you know. So I auditioned for this group. They pick me. They bring their tour bus in front of my house in Gallatin. My parents are a mess because I'm an only child. They oh put my all my belongings <laughs> under the bus, literally in bins, and off I go to California.
0: Wow. And
1: that group toured for three years, um, mostly doing church ministry, uh, concerts, things of that nature, and and a few other things. Um, and it was great. And I, uh, with within that group, I met my husband, my now husband. Uh and so we were friends for that three years and then we got married. And so I obviously stayed in California at that point, mm-hmm. which was really fun. But the 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 full circle of that is thanks to that connection with Tim Davis, he introduced me to the session singing world. And mm. he introduced me to people even beyond the session singing world, live singing, you name it. He was He was uh, advancing in his career uh, since he had been in California longer than me, Uh, and so he was just very kind to kind of pull me along uh, Mm -hmm. on his coattails, if you will, Uh, and really just introduced me to the people who do the hiring of singers in many facets of the Los Angeles area, and that really was the door opener uh, into all of those credits that you listed. I, I still bring it back to, he pretty much introduced me to all the people that would introduce me to the other people who would hire me for all of these credits. Right. Right. we all need somebody like a Tim Davis to help us. You know, we (laughs) all need one of those people (laughs) to do that for us.
0: Definitely. That's
1: the backstory. That's how we got here in California from small town, Tennessee.
0: <laughs> yeah. I love that story. I'm always so fascinated to hear. Um, and it's, it's always the same that one, one thing, one connection leads to another, to another, to another. And these stories are always so beautiful to hear how they unfold um, and come full circle like that. Um, yeah. Now, uh, obviously in your bio, you do have some incredible credits with just iconic um iconic figures in music. Um, Can you tell me uh, one or two uh, like kind of breakthrough opportunities that came through for you that just like blew your mind that you were going to be considered to be a part of it?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, there are a few. Um, I just... well, first of all, I just love singers. I love singers. I just love being in a room with singers. So anytime any of these opportunities came about, I was never by myself, right? So mm-hmm. I have all these memories with lovely people. Um, let's see, there's a couple that I that come to mind right away. One, you know, sometimes in the session singing world, you will show up in a room and you have no idea what you're singing or who you're singing for or what the project is. You just mm-hmm. get a call and you show up. And in one instance, um, the the Harry Styles uh, was for Sign of the Times. Um, and this was like a big deal because it was his debut album coming out of One Direction. Um, and of course, we, we show up at this studio, we we're in the room, there's the group of us, I think 20 plus singers at that point, um, and we still don't really know what we're doing. And, and I think, uh, Edie Lehman Boddicker's name has been mentioned before, but she was the one who had hired the singers for this that day. And it was very exciting and we love her and and her creative vision that she brings to her room is always excellent. So mm-hmm. we knew it was going to be a good day and in walks Harry Styles, but his hair was all cut super short.
0: Oh my gosh. And, this,
1: and nobody knew yet, right? This was like top secret he's been off on a boat writing all these songs and he comes in and he's super excited about it but it is on like the super like nobody's talking about this right Mm -hmm. and so we're all just kind of like oh it's for harry styles but you're trying to play it cool you're trying to be (laughs) like yep professional singer this is what we do and people like you you. walk in the room (laughs) and we're cool nope we were all dying inside and anybody says they weren't is telling a lie. so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but he was so gracious and so thoughtful and so lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you want to sing better for people like that. Yeah. So it set up the day to be such a win. Like we all left like, oh, it was just so great because we wanted to be great for him. And the material was so it was so opposite of what we would have expected from him Mm -hmm. and it and and Jeff Basker was his producer and and he was so great and then the balance with Edie and the way they were all working together and just the camaraderie there you know it was one of those moments when you leave and you think wow I came from small town Tennessee and today I got to do that now if that is not a divine appointment you know coming from the church stage and being somebody who believes in Jesus, I was mm-hmm. like, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, mm-hmm. for bringing me into a room like this, because I'll never forget it. You know, I'll never yeah. forget that moment. Um, that that one was definitely a highlight. The one uh, with Bette Midler was funny because, you know, in true fashion, most of the time the artists are, are not present. And that's why these are important, because they were mm-hmm. um, they, they had the time and could be there. And Bette Midler was so interesting because that project was with Mark Shaman, and that was a Tim Davis, um, he brought three of us in. So in those settings, these are really intimate. So when there's just three vocalists, you know, each of us individually have to be confident enough to walk into that room and know that we're going to be able to hold down the fort for Mm -hmm. our part. Um, and then um, because, like in film scores or things that are more large group gospel choir, or whatever you you've got more wiggle room to be a little more wild, if you will, um, within mm-hmm. your approach. Or just you're you're creating a sound that's a large group sound. And in this scenario, mm-hmm. which is three of us, there was something very specific that they were looking for. And they had been trying out singers for a while, incredible singers, like some of the best singers in the world had already been working on these songs. And it was uh, just not the sound that they were looking for, which we can speak about that too, about singers, how they get in their head about that kind of stuff. Um, Right. But in that situation, um, this worked and we were just, but thankfully we didn't know that we were like the third or fourth group of people who had tried this until after the fact, because <laughs> I think the pressure would have been bigger right mm-hmm. um but she, but she was there and Mark Shaman was there and and he brought one of these like what do you call them like the director's chairs he brought it into the booth and slammed his chair down right in front of us the three of us standing around the microphone and I was like I think Mark Shaman's gonna sit here and stare at us directly in the face <laughs> as we're singing each of these songs Great. and sure enough <laughs> And here came Bette Midler with her folding chair, beep, 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 bopping on in, plopped her folding chair right next to him. And I'm like, okay, this is what we're going to do today. They're not going to sit in (laughs) this control booth and nope, they're going to be right here with us. And it was, it was just incredible, right? Because they, they cared that much about the music and they cared that much about the approach, the sound, the tone, the placement every element of what we were doing and bringing to the table mattered and we knew Mm -hmm. it. And we all, we, we were one unit. And I think Mm -hmm. that at the end of the day, if you do this for a living, it really, you have to be that passionate about details. Uh, You Mm -hmm. have to care that much, right. About um, precision and and things that like, not all singers want to live in that space of technicality. Yes. But but most of us who have been doing this for a long time and have continued to do it, the reason we've continued to do it is because we love the precision and the camaraderie and that cohesive sound that comes out of a project like that. You know, it feeds mm-hmm. us to want to keep going. Um, yeah. So those are those are two that were are just really fun ones because the artists were there. I mean, there were there are others that the artists were there that were also lovely. Um, mm-hmm. But those are two that were really fun.
0: Yeah, that is so cool. I love those stories. Uh, I really, I want to jump into the world of, um, session singing, uh, before we do that though, uh, I want to ask just about the the direction of choosing Elaine to go as a singer because it looked like coming out, um, leaving Tennessee, you had, you had a lot of different directions you could have gone. You could have continued to go down the path of an original artist, um, You know, you could have gone that way. You could have uh, been a touring background singer or session singer. You could have chosen any one of those pathways. Did you find yourself at any crossroads where you just you had decided that, well, you know, I'm letting go original singing um, pursuit and I'm going to go down the life of a, you know, a working singer? Um, What did that look like for you?
1: Yeah, you know, there was a period of time right before I left Nashville, right before I got that phone call from Tim Davis. I had really been pounding the pavement, making demos to be, you know, in my mind, if you will, the next big pop star, right? Like mm-hmm. I had these, it, you know, I wanted to be that big, belty Celine Dion type recording artist. And I was really driven um and and that was a good thing at the time i was really driven and i was really pushing to work with the right producers and meet the right people and travel and go to new york and come to la all of these things and i learned a lot at a young age but you know dealing with rejection when you're 17 and 18 and 19 years old will take a toll Mm -hmm. um because you're not really developed enough to really handle that kind of pressure, unless you have people around you that can fully support that. And I Mm -hmm. think that I, I, I did have a support system. But at the same time, it came to a point once I had really uh, got my faith in line with the vision for my future, there was Mm -hmm. kind of a that crossword crossroads moment for me wasn't um, self Induced, it was more faith induced where I felt like it's time to lay this dream down. It's a good dream, but it's not the dream, right? Right. There's a bigger dream for my life. God has something over here for me that I can't see yet, but it's clearly better than this pounding pavement road that I've been on and knocking on doors and having them slammed in my face. And I got very close. Like, when I say close, like literally, like presidents of labels in New York and things of that nature. And it just Mm -hmm. wouldn't happen. And I had to, I had to be realistic in thinking these doors are closing for a reason. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. not, not talented. That's not the issue, but it's gotta be something. And I really just think at the end of the day, it's just not where I was supposed to go. Mm -hmm. And I could have continued pushing, pushing, pushing. And if there is no crack in a window or a door, it's time to look over here like what is it then so i didn't do it i stopped singing altogether actually for about 4 or 5 months during that period mm-hmm. trying to figure out what well, if it's not that what is it and i really did just lay it down <laughs> lay it all down and say okay lord pick it up what what are you going to do and that's when i got yeah. that phone call wow. right and then and and so i think for a lot of singers everybody's journey is different. Everybody, people have different faith backgrounds and I understand that people get to their journeys in different ways. That's just my way. That was the way Mm -hmm. uh, that, that it was working out for me. And I feel like I'm so grateful that that happened because I wouldn't Mm -hmm. have met my husband. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's a domino. It my whole trajectory of my life changed in that moment to go away from this artistry, which I still love. And I love working with artists and people who are creatives in that way. And the doors have opened for them. Um, I love the idea of artistry. I've just, once my focus changed, I really did put that to bed as as, Mm -hmm. from an artistry standpoint, you know?
0: Right. Right. And
1: I fell in love with singing background vocals for other people and the creative process that goes into that, um, has Mm -hmm. been very rewarding. And I, To this day, love it, and i am beyond grateful that I've been able to do that. You know, you don't feel more alive Mm -hmm. than when you're doing what you love to do, right?
0: Right, right. Yeah, that's that's so true. I'm glad that you share that because I think we most of us see. Singers, as, the, as they're growing up, that, that dream is always of, you know, stardom, being the front person, being, um, you know, having, having that original career, because that's really all we see. That's all we see in the media. Mm-hmm. That's a, we don't, we're not aware of the other opportunities in this business until you start um, getting more involved. And I think it's very hard for young singers to wrap their head around the idea that you could possibly let that dream go and still be completely fulfilled and satisfied in the career path that you choose beyond being a, you know, original recording artist. Um, but you know, everybody that I talk to on this platform, uh, that have gone into the session world or, um, you know, touring background vocalists or, uh, you know, even having a live performance career in like just the corporate space are, you know, so happy with what they do and wouldn't change a thing, you know, but, but, uh, you know, the pursuit, the pursuit of the original career is, um, great. And I think it gives you a lot of perspective on, (laughs) you know, really what it is that you want out of your career. Yeah, that's right. That is right. So back, uh, back at, uh, the session singing world, it's really, it really seems like it is a tight Circle to get into, Um, you know. Nowadays, it seems like there are a lot more opportunities with the emergence of um, online platforms where people can, you know, post for work and and work from home. Uh, Everybody seems to be kind of set up now after COVID. Everybody got their home recording studios done, but still, you know, for very um, for major film projects, uh, Disney, and you know, things of that nature, it seems like there's a tight knit circle to get into, um, what are your thoughts on, um, breaking into that business?
1: Well, I will say this, we live in the area of Los Angeles, which is very unique, uh, in the sense that there are a lot more opportunities for, uh, recording sessions and session singing in a varied capacity meaning you know with with the film scores and television shows and that's on camera off camera albums and some of these things happen in new york atlanta nashville i mean even florida now um these are places where these are kind of the hubs for singers so for anybody you know living in kansas y'all gonna have to find your way to one of these cities if you want to do this and when you get here the things that i would say if you are not connected Now, you have to remember, like I said, I met somebody, Tim Davis, who had found his way into the world of session singing, and he held my hand and brought me in. And I do not take it for granted. And I know that for singers uh, that are doing this uh, full time, a lot of them had a friend who held a hand, right, and brought Mm -hmm. them in. So having a connection to someone that's already in that tight knit circle, if you will. The circle is bigger than it used to be. Um, and it's, and it's lovely. It's lovely having more diversity. And I think there are a lot of people that should be probably uh, applauded for their efforts to grow the stinging community in Los Angeles. Cause I can only really speak to that particular city. Uh, but the diversity is definitely growing and there uh, definitely is um you have a, a a wealth of people in varying age ranges and skill set uh, that are within that tight knit circle. So there there is room for growth. There's always mm-hmm. room for new people. Um, but I always tell singers that come to town, you know, you, you have to decide what is your skill set? What are you best at? Right. Like, mm-hmm. are you best like do you live your best life when you're on stage? Because if that's you, like if that's where you live and you thrive there, then you need to be doing live shows, be it at Mm -hmm. the club level or finding your way into meeting musical directors who hire singers for world tours. Like I never found my connections and my niche in the world of the people who hire touring singers. So I never really ended up on big world tour stages. And that's okay. That's just not where I ended up. Uh, but, but there is a niche for that. And some of those people have crossover and they're able to continue to work in the session side of this as well because they have the versatility to do that. But with most mm-hmm. singers that are new, you, know, you really do only get one shot. And I hate to say that because I've seen really great singers fall through the cracks because that first impression is everything. And it is very hard to make a second impression. Very. Because many of these people, and I know you've talked about vocal contractors with other people and what that means, uh, but these people really are uh, the people who are putting together, they are molding a sound. That is what they are doing at the first and foremost, or at least it should be the foremost, is creating a sound, uh, a cohesive sound uh, within a session. If, for instance, like you said, the online platforms, right? And uh, a lot of people have been able to be recognized and get gain notoriety and popularity through their online presence. A lot Mm -hmm. of these singers, um, just in general, they are incredible soloists, like bring me to tears type soloist. But if you bring all of those people into a room. When you're looking for a cohesive sound, this melt together, we lean in together, you bring humility and vulnerability to the room. Mm-hmm. But over here, mm-hmm. you've got this group of people who are incredible soloists. You're going to have a competing sound, not a cohesive sound. And at the right. end of the day, in session singing, your goal is this cohesive sound, right? Uh, mm-hmm. not this competing sound and i think it's confusing for singers that come to town and feel like they get the door shut um and it could be for varying reasons it could be just a real bummer that they didn't mm-hmm. they didn't get in when they finally met somebody and they tried and they put their name out there and put forward like these vocal reels vocal reels are really important vocal snippets of showcasing yourself in 30 second clips that show showcase your strengths, the types of songs mm-hmm. that you sing, the types of songs you sing well, like it, it gives the people who hire singers an idea of where you fit into the big circle or the little circle, <laughs> depending on what mm-hmm. it is you're trying to do. Right. Yeah. Um, so I would say there is room for new, but I also would say there is something to be said for longevity and loyalty. And I think that that comes into play too. And I think that even for singers who have been in town, I mean, I've been here over 20 years. So I feel like 20 years is enough time to really see it all. Um, Mm -hmm. It's enough time to have been in a room in every different scenario. I have been fortunate to have versatility. So it has allowed me to be in a lot of different spaces with a lot of different voices um, and different personalities and it really does become this one big you know whoa, it's like an emotional, it's it's uh mental, it's the relationship building, it's you know, but at the end of the day, I think humble singers all day long that are confident, but yet they walk into a room and they know that they're there to create something as a group and not mm-hmm. stand out as an individual. Those are the people that get invited back into the rooms that I can say with certainty for probably I, I would say that I'm speaking for most people that hire singers in LA.
0: Yeah, I love that you've called that out. That's that's so important. And talking about just the the, you know, competing sound and the difference between someone who really understands the art of ensemble singing versus, you know, being um, a soloist. Um, I'm curious to know, for, for the new singer who maybe has that one shot that you mentioned earlier, what are some of the characteristics, qualities, or even skill sets um, that you think are going to give that singer uh, an advantage to be called back? What are those things that, um, you know, director looks for?
1: Right. Well, the good news is you don't have to have all the skills Uh, in -hmm. order to be an asset to the community. Um, Like I said, being in a situation where I have had the ability to be in rooms with complete versatility, um, Mm -hmm. I would say this. So for the singers who are extremely good readers, right? People who can just walk into a room and read down a chart very quickly. Those people really need to have a handle on what what do they bring to the table vocally? What is their range? Do they sing in tune? Now that's across the board. Singing in tune is baseline. If you can't sing in tune, this is live singing, maybe, not studio singing. Because again, like Mm -hmm. I said, that precision that you're looking for and the accuracy matters. So singing in tune is, I think, a prerequisite to get into Mm -hmm. this, right? Right. Um, tone. Like, how do you blend? What What is your blend like? Are you able to manipulate your placement in order to create maybe a more childlike sound for this? Maybe a more pop sound here? Are we going to go super choral here? Is this like legit uh, film score? Who are those people? And, and you know, the interesting thing about that is there are people in that space that are the most incredible, uh, classically trained singers. And some of them play well over here in this other section of like more fun and, uh, you know, like cartoons or things of that nature, animated features. I, and they do well there too. Some don't, they just live over here because this is what they do and they do it so well and they don't have time to be over here doing this other stuff, right? They're mm-hmm. off doing LA master Corral things of that nature. There are people that can go both right. Same with on the flip side of that. The singers who come from a place of maybe not reading music, but they are more intuitive singers. They sing from a place of being able to uh, uh, recall a melody very quickly. So you're in a Mm -hmm. room and somebody says, go, ah, 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 and you can go, ah, 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 right back very quickly in tune and and give them what they're looking for. That Mm -hmm. stresses some people out that live over here that live in, I read music world, right? Like they Mm -hmm. really struggle here because they have, they have found that this side over here works really well, but this Mm -hmm. over here is stressful. Now the beauty in that is there is a need for both. And there are people in that circle that can fly in both. They can do both. And some people over here can get invited into these spaces. Right. Mm
0: -hmm. But usually
1: if that's the case, you you glean or you lean into the people who are a level 10, you know, from a scale of one to 10, a level 10 reader. Reading is always a great thing. It's a great skill to have if you want to be a session singer for sure. um, To be able to do all the kinds of sessions. There are Mm -hmm. times I will say that um, I think it's harder just like it would be hard for people who don't read music to walk into one of these very, um, what I call classy sessions, these classy film sessions on the these beautiful mm-hmm. sound stages. And its it is, it's, it's stunning and it's beautiful and it's classy and it's regal and you feel regal doing it. And it's very legit. And some of these people, they know the intricacies of every note and every beat and every time signature. And it's incredible to me. I, I, because I am not that versed in that world um, to that level. And so I just melt into them. Right. I'm just like, I'm happy to be here and I hear it and I can do this, but leaning into these people who understand and can break down music that way is Mm -hmm. incredible. However, these people sometimes have a harder time coming over here uh, because that intuitive piece, they want to be able to read it. They want to see it. They want to break it down yes. from a scientific standpoint. But what happens is you lose that um, that emotive, right? That the, it, it, it comes off very clean and beautiful when what's being asked for here is really coming from a place of like passion. It's almost mm-hmm. like gut-wrenching intuitive type singing that you can't get by reading it off a page mm-hmm. you just have to feel it and if you start yeah. it over here it's a it, it's a dance to get over here so i say that to say that for there are singers uh you know that are needed in both capacities for the projects that are being uh hired for and the people that hire singers you know, it's 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 a dance for them, too, because they have a, all these groups of singers and they have to be able to place the right voices in the room with those specific skill sets based on what the job is asking of them and what's being required or the sound. Mm. Because what if like, for instance, Glee is a great example. Glee was were for pr- pr- predominantly not reading sessions. They were intuitive sessions. They were cohesive, sound And once that sound was found, you don't lose it. Like, we got to hold on to this sound, right? And so it was, uh, it's one of those situations where it wasn't so much about the skill set of reading as it was about creating this machine uh, and this sound that could carry the show. And it it worked, right? Mm -hmm. It worked. Mm -hmm. But yet, you know, some of the most beautiful film scores would have not gone well. If they didn't have people doing those sessions that were capable of handling that level yeah. of um, musicality that matches the composer, right mm-hmm. in the room, mm. and so uh, so it it really comes down to for a new singer, what are your what are your skill sets, right? Like what do you do well? Not what you can kind of do. What do you do well? And put that foot forward. Because if you have yeah. a real cool tone that is warm and you can bring that to the table, you know, all day long, people are going to be like, yes, we love that. The tone and presence, you know, and the confidence that comes alongside of that, you mm-hmm. know, and, and and having that humble spirit, the ability to walk into a room and not feel like you walked in knowing it all. You know, mm-hmm. that that's, those are key and important. Uh, people like working with singers like that that are willing, you know, to learn and grow at all times.
0: Yeah, Uh, that is so fascinating and such a great lesson. So many things that can be, you know, taken out of that for a new singer. And just learning, having that self-awareness to identify early on, what your real strengths are and not trying to force yourself down a lane that isn't for you. Of course, we all want to grow. We want to stretch ourselves as, as um, singers and step outside of our comfort zone. But when you can really identify those places that are just the sweet spot for you, that oftentimes just almost comes naturally to you or that you can really just take an accelerated approach to if you're just, if you're or have that, you know, more intuitive sense um, about singing. Um, It makes me think of this really awesome Eric Whitaker, TikTok video I I saw recently where he is talking about um, the idea of comparison and how he found himself in a, uh, I guess, a competition of four composers. And, and when, when it came down to it being in the room with these four, he felt very, intimidated very inferior um just because of the uh, complex nature of the things that they had written um and just felt like he was completely out of pace or out of place uh, but then came it, it it came down to the simplicity of what he had submitted um overall was the most um, singable piece of music for, for the singers that were involved and, and that they absolutely, you know, loved it. And, and he says in this video that, you know, the biggest lesson for him is that he will never again compare himself, um, you know, to what anybody else is doing around them, but just, you know, rather run your own race and really just take notice of those things that are your strengths and um, know what it is that you can Yeah, definitely an important lesson for us and you have been in the company of some really countless you know incredible session singers and now um you have uh you are the co-creator of um a a youtube series i'm looking for the title here uh, the Black and White Sessions. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, the Black and White Sessions. Um, actually, the idea for that came out of working on Glee because so many of the singers that were working on Glee were guide vocalists. And that meant that they would go in and sing the leads uh, uh, for the actors that would be singing their own songs. Um On the show, uh, they would do the demos for them to learn the arrangement because all of the songs were cut down or, you know, the famous mashups, uh, it would marry two songs. And so for them to really understand what the what the format of the song uh, was going to be, and what the arrangement was, uh, some of the singers that worked on Glee uh, behind the scenes would sing these demos. And they were so fantastic. Like, they were just incredible. And some of the singers I had known for a long time going into that project. uh, And then there were singers that I met that were new uh, during that time. uh, And I was just so overwhelmed with how talented they all were. And I'm like, this is such a bummer because all, all of these session singers in general, they're always behind the scenes. And nobody ever gets to hear them singing a song that they love. Like, what made them fall in love with singing? Um, and, Mm -hmm. and too, because in the session singing world, we do become like robots in a lot of scenarios where you're just literally boom, 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 boom. You know, you're, you're given a song, you're given a task and you do it. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so it doesn't allow you to be yourself per se as a singer. How would you sing if you were singing for enjoyment or, you know, for the love of singing and the love of music Mm -hmm. and song? So we started the black and white sessions. Um, and I just started by inviting my friends. I started by invi- by inviting friends and people who I'd worked with a long time. And they would come into the studio. They picked a song. Tony Guerrero was the co-creator. And he would play it live uh, with them singing in one take. Um, and then we would, it was very, very minor edits, if any at all. Most of them were raw uh, vocal performances. And then we would just put some effects and Put it out there for people to hear, mm-hmm. and it really um, was such an incredible experience. That we are toying with the idea of a season seven this year. So we did six seasons. We are toying with wow. the idea. of a, Yeah, we're toying with season seven with seven featured vocalists this year, uh, and I'm really excited about it. And I'm hopeful that it's all going to come together because it was it was empowering for singers. Uh, but I will say this, that it was very interesting being in a room with all of these different singers and knowing all of their personalities, because everybody is so different. You're introverts, you're extroverts, and people who love the stage and people who loathe the stage and love the booth. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. and just the vulnerability and bravery to step into a room when you mostly work in a situation where you just chop, cut, piece. Up a whole song in the studio, right? Uh, You're singing it live, start to finish. It's a performance. It's you. It's doing what you love. And everybody had a moment, every single singer had a moment of vulnerability where they would come to me and say, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do this. I'm excited, but I don't know if I want to do this. Like, I'm kind of nervous. I want to watch it when you're done. Like, and you realized, and some of these singers literally like are just the most incredible singers, you know, in the plant on the planet. And I'm like, yeah, this is just a reminder. We are our own worst critics. We will tear ourselves down while everybody else has us on a mountaintop. And yeah. it's just, it did something to me in in the way it changed me. In seasons where maybe I'm not getting called as much, where, you know, I'm kind of uh, on pause, if you will, and other people mm-hmm. are working, it has allowed me to be so thankful that that they're working, right? And that that the the community is still thriving and growing. And then all of a sudden, I get a call for something just incredible with the most incredible people. And I think this is how it goes. This is the ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. And and for every person that, that looks like they're out there, super vi- super busy, they're tearing themselves up at home. And it's just, yeah. you wanna be able to get to a mental space. Uh, and, and I think that also creates longevity in this industry is if you can find peace that you are good enough. You're good yeah. enough for every opportunity that comes your way. You are good enough. You were called because you deserve to be there. And some people that you might be forgotten, you might not get included on everything. But and I said this years ago at an event I was speaking at for Gerald White uh, for his fight singing class. I said, you know, I am not I am not immune to the days of laying in my bed, crying my eyes out because I saw a photo on Instagram of all of my friends at a session and I wasn't invited. And I said, that's it. This is the end. My career is over. I'm done. That was it. It's a good run. I guess I should, you know, go find the, the, you know, start looking for a job. Like, literally, would send myself into oblivion. Uh, and, and you know, those that was years ago, but it's real and it happens even today with singers. And it and mm-hmm. no one is immune to those feelings, they're just not. And so, I mm-hmm. encourage singers that are watching this, be it in the live space, the corporate space, because that's competitive. You know, all of Mm -hmm. these arenas are competitive. The touring singers, you know, it's it's a competitive world, um, but coming into it, not trying to tear people down, but build people up will 100 percent just take you the long the long road, the long road of success Mm -hmm. and longevity, I think, versus the short and quick way. And you'd fall off a cliff because you can't sustain it. It's too hard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Carrie, those are such important words. I'm so glad that you said that. Um, and, and in this, you know, day and age of social media and seeing, you know, seeing on a daily basis, what other people are doing, you really got to learn to guard your heart, you know, when you're, when you're, um, scrolling and, and watching, but, but it's so important. What you said is that, uh, you know, if you're called, you are meant to be there. That's, that's, um, You're worthy of it. And um, just because you see some singers on other opportunities, that was their opportunity, not yours. The ones that are yours are going to come to you and just, you know, keep your head down, keep running the race and celebrate the victories of the other singers around you. And uh, that'll that kind of energy, that kind of flow that you carry on in your life are the things that will help you build momentum, help keep you in those circles, help keep you in a good, you know, mind space for it. But thank you very much for sharing that. Um, this yeah. has been a and, great conversation. I just, yeah,
1: yes, people should you should go to the black and white sessions. It's just the black and white sessions on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are six seasons of literally the most incredible vocal performances from a lot of singers you have never heard of, but they mm-hmm. are truly gems. And it's just, I've had friends say, Oh, I just create a playlist and I just listen to it around my house or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's lovely. It's, it's such an incredible series. And like I said, I am such a, such a champion for, for great singers and, and these people work hard and they're really good <laughs> at what they do. So I just, mm-hmm. I I'm only plugging it cause we haven't done one since the pandemic. We were poised to do one in 2020. And of course it got canceled. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm still just really proud of that project.
0: Yeah, that's so great. Yeah, definitely. Everybody please check out the black and white sessions on YouTube. I went ahead and posted your social media links too. So everyone can go and check you out on social media. Um, I've loved our conversation so much. Um, I know that there's so much more that we could talk about, but before we wrap things up, I want to, uh, Tell everyone about, you know, an important event that you have coming up. You've got a really fun show that's coming up um, in June, June 24th at the Catalina Jazz Club in L.A. You are going to be supporting Allison Porter, the winner of The Voice a few seasons ago um, as a background vocalist. Tell us about that show.
1: Yeah, Allison, I call Allison a unicorn. Uh, she is a unicorn vocalist. And anybody who watched oh, yeah. The Voice already knows this about her. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. I've been singing with her since 2019, I think, um, and doing live shows with her. And I've never done a show with her that uh, is the same. They're all different. Mm-hmm. And she's just um, a firecracker on stage. And she's uh, she puts on such... An intimate show, no matter the size of the room, Uh, and Mm -hmm. she brings everybody in with her. And if you're a singer's singer type, that you love those type of singers that, that, you know, are just so versatile in their performances and the way that they use their voice and can manipulate it for the different styles of songs they're singing. This is the show you want to come to because she loves harmonies and she loves so we get to be a part of this journey with her and it's it's going to be a great show so I hope people that are local will be able to come out.
0: Yeah, I'd love to check that show out. I absolutely love Allison. I watched her entire um, season and the whole time thinking if if she doesn't win, I'm going to lose my mind. And <laughs> right, you know, years later after her season. I, I really, I never think to go and listen to any of the recordings from the voice, but hers, I do. She just, she had, she just had such great songs. She did some Janis Joplin and just, oh my God, she just, she is a blow your hair back kind of singer. And I, I really love her. I'd love to check out that show. Um, so I'm sure if everybody, uh, follows your Instagram or Facebook. We'll probably see more details. Thanks so much for joining us. If you love this conversation as much as I did and would like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review to stay up to date with the unstoppable singer and get all the behind the scenes content. You can follow me on Instagram at unstoppable singer. And while you're there, please share this episode on your Instagram stories and tag me at unstoppable singer. Once again, I'm Danielle Tucker, a professional singer and vocal coach. I've spent the last 25 years crafting a successful career for myself in the music industry and showing other aspiring singers how to do the same. The world needs your voice now more than ever. So get out there and create an unstoppable career. Thanks so much for joining.